Welcome to the Food Foundation podcast, the award-winning voice of the charity, which campaigns for better access to healthy food for every child in the UK. I'm Melissa Hemsley. I'm a food writer and chef, proudly working with the Food Foundation to end child food poverty. And this week, we're looking at what that means even for the tiniest of children. I know what I should be eating, but it's not always possible due to the cost of living and is making choices difficult for me. I end up eating the wrong sort of food just for the sake of the child to be fed. We're looking at the factors that can stop women getting healthy food when they're pregnant. We all need healthy food to be affordable, to be available and much more appealing. But for women on lower incomes, it's particularly important that they get the support and the information they need to give birth to healthy babies. It's super important for dads to be healthy before they start a family. But this report concentrates on maternal health. Jenny Rosborough is a nutritionist and one of the authors of the Food Foundation's latest report, Preconception, Pregnancy and Healthy Weight in Childhood. She explained that the research is clear that obesity can start in the womb. We know that almost a quarter of children start school living with overweight or obesity, but there's been very little focus, especially in terms of policy, on the fact that this risk starts in the womb. So really, this report is calling on the government to do more to break this intergenerational cycle of health inequalities by setting out ways in which they should be supporting parents before and during pregnancy. And this research shows us that babies born to women living with obesity are more likely to be a higher birth weight, which is called large for gestational age, and that this higher birth weight is associated with an increased risk of obesity in the child later in life. And interestingly, babies born smaller for gestational age are also at a risk of later developing obesity because they go through a process called rapid catch-up growth. And it's really clear that what a mum eats during pregnancy has a massive impact on what that baby will want to eat as it grows up. Dietary intake is also a really important factor because both under and over nutrition during pregnancy can impact the baby's appetite pathway. And also a mother's diet during pregnancy might influence her unborn baby's food preferences. So this could obviously impact then as the child gets older, what foods they like to eat, which could have longer term um, health implications as well. Lucy Jackman is a community manager for Feeding Bristol. The charity chaired by members of local businesses, food charities, local food growers and the local council to make sure no child goes hungry. She explained what a joined up approach means. In Bristol, we've been working for the last couple of years on writing a food equality strategy. We're very clear in our approach that we want to work towards food justice. We're very strong with that. And we want to ensure that people from across the city are aware and working towards trying to make the city a more equal place to live, particularly with access to food. Um, There are some really severe areas of food um, deprivation in terms of uh, food deserts or availability of culturally appropriate food. So, I mean, we're really hot on trying to make sure that that's in the public mind and with the council in particular when they're making plans that they're really considering food at the heart of what they're doing. Her job means that she's out meeting families and hearing about their everyday challenges to getting a healthy diet. We're speaking to some parents in particular, there were actually it was a group of about eight mums down in South Bristol in an area that is really poorly catered for. They were like we have to often travel on the bus to get to a supermarket which a lot of the time we don't have we can't afford to get on the bus in the first place. We're lugging bags back and forth. Um 
a lot of the mums were talking about having to directly straight away going to the reduced style, going to, you know, look at the um, look at the yellow stickers, see what's available. You know, there was a risk aversion in how people were were shopping in order to ensure that the, what food they could afford was going to actually be consumed. You know, just the struggle of trying to source enough food that their children like. So, you know, there's also that element of calorific food is cheaper. So obviously that's going to have more of a presence in people's diets when they are struggling to afford enough food. It might not be a budget supermarket, so you might be paying above and beyond what you would want to pay and and can afford to pay because of where you're living. There just isn't the right supermarket tailored to your needs in that place. That's something we saw all the time, actually, with with what we're, we're talking about, this issue that intersects between transport, access and availability. And even when healthy food is provided for free at any of the community food banks, it's still not easy when energy costs are going through the roof. They give you four different types of meals, so you don't actually cook the same thing for all your kids at the same time. It's actually adding a lot of stress to your day because you've got to cook separately and, you know, the cost of that too in terms of heating. It's really difficult. It's really, really difficult. We've met Natasha Ricketts a couple of times now on the Food Foundation podcast. She was appointed Mayor of Lewisham for her work with the Evelyn Community Centre in 2020, which offers so much more than affordable and healthy surplus food. Jackie, who's heavily pregnant and has a 10-year-old child, is a regular at the Evelyn Food Store, and she told Natasha how hard it is to get what she knows she needs to feed her unborn child. I know what I should be eating, but it's not always possible due to the cost of living and is making choices difficult for me. I end up eating the wrong sort of food just for the sake of the child to be fed. So you're saying that sometimes you don't make a healthy choice. It's a case of eating what you have so that you've got food that you believe is also feeding your unborn child. Yeah, and it's also what I can afford at the time. The price is rising between all the shops when I'm popping between shops. Everything's going up every day. And my, my little benefit money is not going anywhere. I'm sure I used to shop just in Tesco's, but now I'm shopping all over. I go Lidl's, Aldi's, in between sometimes Iceland's, but Iceland's is getting more expensive than what it used to be. So you're now shopping in lots of shops to find the best deals. Mm-hmm. And are there certain times of the days that you shop or do you just shop whenever? The co-op on the new estate, they've got, they do redu- reductions at seven o'clock. So I go in there to try and get the best deals as well. So do you go in there before or dead on seven? No, it has to be dead on seven because otherwise there's a queue because it's seven o'clock. That's when everything's reduced. And are you having to make sacrifices as well because you have another child? Well, certainly between the heating going on at certain times and the electric, everything's turned off. Sometimes there's only one room with one light on. What can I do? And was it that hard 10 years ago when you had your first child? No, not really, because I was working. I had to give up work due to COVID and the cost of um, childcare. My shop was one of the ones that Greg's closed due to COVID. So now I'm finding things extremely hard than ever my first time in my life. Natasha is one of the thousands of food bank volunteers who've stepped in and stepped up to support the most vulnerable. Well, we've noticed more and more now, not only are we providing um, part of of an important diet to a lot, and especially our members that are um, pregnant, 
we also now find that we're also kind of being a bit like a crutch to them. Um, and it's that arm around the shoulder and some advice and just letting them know that, yes, we're only open on Tuesdays and Fridays, but we are still here. I'm in the centre all the time. Um, and what I have found, and, and Jackie's been one of them, was the fact that she came in and volunteered to help. Uh, we had some tins and everything that needed sorting out. So she came in and helped do that, and that really boosted her mood because she's also aware of the fact that if she's not feeling great, that does feed down into the baby as well. So she came in, she helped, she had a chat, she spoke about her struggles with, with you know, jumping from shop to shop, and that coming here to the centre is not only a source of food, but it's also a source of knowledge, and somewhere where she's listened to, supported, and she knows that she counts. The story is the same all over the country. We heard about a brilliant project called Food Futures in North Lancashire in a recent episode of the Food Foundation podcast on levelling up. It's all about building resilience into the food system and making sure that everyone has access to healthy food. Jenny Meadows is the development worker for the Food Justice Partnership at Lancaster City Council and she explained how it works on the ground. So in North Lancashire we have quite a lot of pockets of quite severe um, deprivation and quite high levels of need and in those pocketed areas a lot of community support organisations have popped up to support people with access to food Um, and those work through what are called food clubs Um, where surplus food is redistributed to people who could not otherwise afford to go food shopping and and pay for the full weekly shop, especially if they're feeding a large family. Um, So these groups exist to try and help with that. Um, The Skirton group um, runs their food club on a Tuesday every week and they um, spend the Monday before gathering as much food as they can from nearby supermarkets and the fair share depot in Preston. Um, They bring it all together and they kind of uh, distribute it as fairly as they can among um, the people that come to collect food from there. It's all laid out in their hall and it's it's really nice. People just pop in, put their bags down, pack their food up and then they can be on their way. The Food Club is a great place for young mums to get healthy food and also to find out more about what help is on offer. For Lois, it's a fantastic way of feeding her baby and herself in the way that she wants to, but can't always afford. So, like, I will just have cereal, and she'll have, like, fresh yogurt, and, like, blueberries and strawberries and raspberry cookies and, like, things like that. So, but it definitely is, like, more expensive than to just get, like, packed soup, super noodles and yeah. chicken nuggets and things. Mm. things. Would you prioritise, like, healthy eating and things, particularly when you're pregnant as well, over, like, stuff for the baby? or? Pregnant. Yeah. Mm. I ate a lot of Nutella and Coca-Cola. <laughs> and then when I was breastfeeding, again, not really, and I probably should have more, so I was talking about Coca-Cola, and then I was like, why is she so gassy? Why won't she poo? <laughs> but then as soon as she started eating food, I was like, very kind of stringent. Like she still has never drank juice. She okay. just drinks water or milk. Right. Occasionally she has a little bit of smoothie. Mm. Yeah, that's it. She doesn't do it like pop or juice or anything. Yeah. And I'm constantly like, yeah, like, don't give us hot vinegar, Chris. Give her the carrot puffs. 
Is that a bit of a battle at home? Is it? Or are you yeah, it is a bit. He's like, he had older children previous relationships. He's like, I always gave Chris waivers. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> In many parts of the country, transport to and from the shops is really tricky. For Lois, who wants to feed her baby the best that she can afford, and like Jackie and Lewisham, it means shopping at two supermarkets, which has challenges plenty of mums recognise. So do you do that thing where you go to Lidl and then get what you can from there and then have to Yeah, I go to Lidl, get what I can from there, and then it's usually Asda. Yeah. And do you, do you have a car? Do you talk to do No, um, I, go on, I go on the bus. Oh, brilliant. With her walking the way there, so mm. I can put her in the trolley because I can't. Mm-hmm. Push a pram and a trolley at the same time, which is convenient. Mm. However, then when I have to carry actual shopping, I have to put her in a baby carrier mm. because otherwise I don't have a free hand to stop her walking into the cars. Yeah, that's that's also. So I've put her in a baby carrier, and she's getting yeah. quite hefty. Yeah, and it's, she's also quite indignant about it now. She's like, "Have yeah. legs, I can walk. <laughs> Let me go, mother." <laughs> she looks like she's got a mind of her own. That's The Food Foundation report finds that far too many women are not taking advantage of Healthy Start. That's the NHS scheme which gives free vouchers to eligible pregnant mums and families every week to spend on things like milk, fresh and frozen fruit and vegetables and infant formula milk. But as Lois says, you may need extra skills when you've got that baby brain. Yeah, I mean, I get the like, Healthy Start card, so that was quite helpful. Mm. However, they told me I wasn't allowed it. They kept saying that I wasn't... Um, entitled to it when I was that I was not putting spaces in between all the letters of my oh. national children's number so I should have been getting it for like six months and wasn't I got it when she turned a year old so oh my gosh I got the considerable letters so annoying <laughs> but that was partially on me I did not actually read the website every single well. yeah, yeah, I got like you. teen brain cells at work but it's just not Lois's fault Jenny Meadows says the food clubs are a really useful way of supporting women to get those healthy start vouchers that can make all the difference to the health of their unborn babies. Yeah, it is definitely something that we've noticed because I do a lot of work around distributing information around the healthy start scheme. Um, and I work with the county council to try and increase the uptake of that scheme locally. Uh, we know that not nearly as many people as can access it are doing so um, and we've done a lot of work with the city council as well to try and talk to businesses about that and and how they can promote it a bit more um, and how we can help young mothers apply for it and access it and and have the information that they need and the, the skills they need to be able to sign up to it now that it's all online. One of the report's main findings is the gap in information and advice about maternal health coming from health and government departments. Lucy Jackman of Feeding Bristol has just had a baby herself and was surprised by the lack of advice she got from her midwife when she was pregnant. I can't remember having a conversation about healthy food with my midwife. I remember her taking my weight the first meeting and me being aware of BMI was like, okay, well, I'm slightly above where I should be for normal. She was like, that's fine, you're fine. My health visiting team, we were, I I had a whole range of health issues, um, I had preeclampsia towards the end of my pregnancy and so the the health visitor was mainly concerned with just my mental well-being, you know, and the recovery side of things rather than physically, you know, what foods am I eating, how can I ensure the nutrition. So actually I really didn't get much information at all. The report highlights the need for nutritional advice to be available for would-be parents and women between pregnancies. This is not something Lucy, who works in the sector, came across either. 
when I was thinking about getting pregnant and when I was pregnant, I really didn't find much information out there that supported my understanding and my, my, my fears and anxieties around making sure that I had the right nutrition and the right diet to maintain a healthy pregnancy to ensure that my baby, you know, had the best start in life and, and was able to, to, you know, ensure my own health at the same time. I didn't even know until I was about six months pregnant that the, the, the father's health had an impact. That wasn't something I was aware of and actually was told by a friend. Um, and then again, when I had the baby and was, you know, experiencing those early months of, of, of being a new mum, I didn't get any support from a health visitor or, or my midwife at the time in, in guiding me towards resources because uh, potentially there just weren't any available. At Skirton Community Centre in North Lancashire, Lois told Jenny Meadows that the information that she got from her midwife was very sketchy. I was aware that, like, certain things I don't remember well. Like, I think has the chance of hysteria. And, like, I knew that because they told me that's why you can't have these things. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I wasn't really aware. Mm. And I, I mainly just ate whatever I was wanting or craving at the time. I just made sure that I took, like, a fellow So I was like, well, that's... She's sorted. She's, sorted. <laughs> She's getting something. So they mostly told you what not to eat. Yeah, they didn't really say things as if good to... I mean, they told me fish, and then every time I said I was eating fish, they're like, not that kind of fish. Wrong fish. Okay. Wrong fish. <laughs> Jenny Rosborough says that a lot of work needs to be done on public messaging. We really want to make sure that there's a much more joined up approach. So all government work on health and wellbeing in the early years includes a focus on nutrition and diet and also that there is a coordinated strategy across departments to ensure that policies relating to diet and obesity take a life course approach, which really includes that preconception and pregnancy stage that seems to be largely missing. Um, And another point that came up really loud and clear from parents and health professionals who we spoke to was that they felt that they received mixed messages or not enough support in terms of what a healthy diet is during pregnancy. So we want to make sure that there is accurate public health messaging outlining the importance of nutrition before and during pregnancy that is accessible to all and that also all health professionals who have contact with people before, during and between pregnancies have sufficient training to raise a conversation about nutrition and diet in a sensitive and non-stigmatising manner, which is so key because obviously these can be quite sensitive conversations to have, so that training is, is so important. But key to that is that there's sufficient investment in health visitor workforce so that it can provide those appropriate um, support services to parents at all stages of this early years lifespan, including between pregnancies, which includes talking about the importance of nutritious diet as well. But as um, we said, uh, education really only goes so far. It's important that families have this awareness, but it's not enough by itself. So that is very much within the context of improving the wider food environment and making sure that families, especially on a low income, have the support that they need to be able to access nutritious foods. So we want the the Healthy Start Scheme to ensure that it is fit for purpose and is really supporting pregnant women on low income. So to make sure that it's doing this sufficiently, government needs to extend the eligibility, they need to increase the allowance and they need to improve uptake as well.
The Food Foundation is talking to businesses and government about changing the food landscape to make healthy food available to everyone. It's calling for policy to stop junk food outlets in areas of deprivation. But Lucy Jackman from Feeding Bristol explains how that kind of conversation works in a city council. When we were developing the food equality strategy with the public health team in the council, we had lots of conversations about the, the presence of junk food in the city, um, the, the food deserts that were really a, a difficult situation for a lot of families, in particular in outskirts or or, or even in, in the inner city where, you know, metro shops would be incredibly expensive compared to main supermarkets. So these issues were always at the forefront of our of our conversations, to be honest, and our, and our thinking with the food equality strategy. But, you know, that's one department within the council. And actually working with the councils is, is often a struggle because they work very siloed in many ways. I think I'd like to think they're getting better. And I think because of having something like the strategy to, to talk about and to promote within the council, it has brought those conversations across departments. But I think it's, it's a really difficult thing and a slow, slow work. I think that one of the struggles, and it's unsurprising, is, is funding. They just don't have the funding available to ensure that these things are followed through beyond a certain point. Um, and often funding pressures mean that they need to spend certain amounts of money at certain times of the year and then things get a little rushed in other areas and these processes aren't given the right amount of time to to really infiltrate so i think there is a lot a lot to be said for communication within councils it's really hard to create the next generation of healthy children when good food is just too expensive and difficult to get to and when support from the NHS and government is confusing and simply not good enough. And it's hard to talk to parents, mothers in particular, about the impact of poor diets and obesity on their unborn babies. But it's essential that we do. Jenny Rosborough says why it matters. I mean, the fact that almost a quarter of children start school with overweight or obesity, um, and this increases as they get older, it's also twice as prevalent in families living in a more deprived area. This is all largely preventable, but it's something that can have massive consequences on a child's quality of life as they grow into adulthood as well. So it's really important that, you know, the government listen and they, they step up and they deliver mechanisms and policies that allow people to access healthier, nutritious food in a fairer way across society. This report is clear that we need more investment in public messaging about the support that's already available, like Healthy Start, and government needs to extend eligibility, increase the allowance and improve its uptake. We need more investment to train the health visitor workforce to support the diets of pregnant women and women between pregnancies. Please do go to foodfoundation.org.uk to read the full report and write to your MP to support our recommendations. Thank you so much for listening.